Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Billy B.J. Jones, and you're listening to B.J. Speaks, a conversation with Cynthia Johnson. Today is November 8, 2020. This is a live podcast. First of all, hope all is well with you and your loved ones during these unprecedented times, and as well as a happy holiday weekend, I guess, because it's weird holiday weekend celebrations for some. It's also weather preparations for others. So there's a lot going on in our world. So I welcome you back, and thank you for taking the time to listen to us here at at Everyday Folks Radio. Today's show is a very special show because it is part of our Friendsgiving segment. And I wanted to share this because it's important. Our Friendsgiving segment is one that each year I want to feature some of my closest friends who are either reunion episodes or first-timers on the show to celebrate their lives and the tributes that they make. And so I'm very grateful that Thanksgiving being the Friendsgiving season is time for that. This show is brought to us by Elite Natural Essence. Tired of expensive chemical fuel products that do not work? Visit Elite Natural Essence for all your handcrafted, vegan-friendly, natural, organic, tea, hair, and body care essential needs. Visit www.elitestatusentllc.com and on social media, you can look up Elite Natural Essence. Our guest speaker today is Cynthia Johnson. Cynthia is a passionate teacher looking for new ways to deliver the best of herself to her students. She is a wife to an amazing husband who is a physical education teacher locally here in Miami and a mother to a toddler at home. I also have to say this is a reunion show, right, Cynthia? And so this is our reunion show, our reunion segment. So I'm very excited that you're back with us today, and welcome back to Everyday Folks. How have you been? Good, but thank you for having me, Billy. So everything is good so far, just living through a, a pandemic. Absolutely. Well, what have you been up to, in fact? I know that the pandemic, you know, you and I talk all the time, and, you know, we're both educators. We're trying to mm-hmm. make things work, right? Trying to make it work while still maintaining some normalcy. How have things been for you and the Jones Johnson Chang clan? It's going well. Um, so a lot has happened in the la- mm-hmm. since the last reunion show. I think we talked about that before. It's been a while. So I, if I can get married, I know that at the reunion show we were prepping up for our wedding. So we did get ma- we finally got married. So and I know you'll be talking to my husband sometime next week. We bought a house and we also had a baby. So she's just turning two. We're both still teaching, still loving it. We try to keep our work and personal life separate, so we at least have some sanity in everything. But other than that, we're just getting adjusted to having a house and having a now a toddler at home. So that is an adjustment. 
An amazing adjustment. The last time you reminded me just before this episode, the last time you were here on Everyday Folks was five years ago. And it, you and Justin were here together um, for an episode. Mm-hmm. And you had just had your engagement. It was, it, it was a year out. It was like a year before all the great stuff happened. And who's to mm-hmm. say in five years a lot can happen, right? <laughs> yes, a lot has happened. And then to add to that, we, we are, uh, Justin and I are grateful that you are also the godfather to our daughter, and she loves you. So that's another thing that we can add Thank to you. it, that, you know, you are the godfather. To our daughter. And, you know, it, it, thank you for that. And it's so funny. I want to say this about you and, and the family. Even though you've had a child, you still have an identity as a professional and as a wife and as a person. Like, meaning, mm-hmm. we still take trips together. <laughs> we still have our yes. fun. You know, yes, there's a child and you have to make accommodations, but it hasn't changed or slowed down. A, it hasn't impacted our friendship, which I appreciate that. And I want to start there, Cynthia, because sometimes what happens with some families, especially moms, you know, they get so, especially for their first child, they get very committed and very excited with their children, which is expected, right? But also, too, mm-hmm. all of that, you know, there, there could also be those challenges of separation. You know, when it's time to, you know, go back to work and go back to a sense of normalcy, that can sometimes be a challenge as well. How was that for you? Well, I know, I know, I know for instance, that you at some point you took some time off when 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 Asia was born, but then you yeah. went back to work. How was that for you? And what advice do you give to moms who are out there who are who are transitioning to motherhood while also transitioning back to work? It's an adjustment. Um, I'll be honest with you. It was hard. My my first year going into mm-hmm. being a mom and adjusting to going back to work was rough. It was hard. I did take some time off to have my baby. Um, I don't recommend anybody working all the way to their due date. It is a funny story that I tell my my fellow colleagues at my school. Mm-hmm. I worked literally to my due date. Um, my water broke in my classroom, so I literally worked all the way to due date. I took time off, um, and that is the best thing you can do, take time off to get adjusted to motherhood, get adjusted to what, what your new life is. You don't forget who you are. It was hard for me, and I will never sugarcoat it. it. It's hard, and it changes based on your own personality and your own lifestyle. Take advice from others, but don't take it too hard. At the end of the day, you know what works for you and work for you and your family. Transition back to work was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, just the separation. I did catch the separation anxiety to myself, letting go of my daughter. I spent 11 and a half weeks with her, and going back to work wasn't adjusted. My husband only took a couple days off to a week to stay mm-hmm. home with us, and then he had to adjust to going back to work. So it was a little bit easier for him. Mm-hmm. But uh, as a family, my first day going back to work was as hard for me as it was for my husband. He did have that feeling of letting go. Um, our first year was hard just being able to let go. You also have to remember you do have a life before being a mom, and you want to keep that too, keep them separate. Your life as a mom, your life as a family, and then life together with if you happen to be still with the, the father of your child mm-hmm. or, like, whoever you're with, you do have to separate it. That's the best thing I would do. For That's me, great... that works for me. That's great advice, in fact. And, and I, have, I remember you saying very distinctly, 
And folks, you have to understand, Cynthia and Justin are, are voting fun. And I remember <laughs> during her, the first year, the first few months, they were lacking sleep, right? And I remember oh, her yeah. saying, she says, oh, gosh, the sleep. Wow. And, and, and feeling tired and sleeping when the baby sleeps. I remember you telling me that one time, you know, going to sleep and trying to get as much rest as you can while she does. And how is that now? So where are you today with that compared to a year ago? Well, comparing to two years ago, because she just <laughs> did turn two this uh, past August, the sleep when the baby sleep, it, it, it's something you're going to hear over and over and over. It does not work for everybody. Yes, I heard that always, sleep when the baby sleeps, sleep when she's napping, things like that. It, there's always 5 million other things that you need to get done before that. So I did try. Right. I, we were lucky enough. We do have support. Um, we have our moms that take care of our daughter mm-hmm. when we need her, we, when we need them, or when we, like we're at work. So that was the advantage. So while I was on maternity leave, my mom and my mother-in-law were there for me all five days of the workday, and then on the weekend. So now, two years later, we've regressed. Um, I don't get as much sleep as I used to a year ago. A year ago, she was sleeping through the night. I get a few wake-up calls in the middle of the night, but it's nothing like a newborn stage. I'm not up every three hours, every two and a half hours, every four hours. I'm up for a little bit, and then I'm able to go to sleep for a couple more hours, and then she'll wake Mm -hmm. up again. So it's more like, I guess, more like sleepwalking. My daughter is sleepwalking now and having night terrors. So, But she's not far. She's, like, down the hall from me. So my sleep has gotten better since since the newborn stage. That's for sure. (laughs) Congratulations to you and Justin, by the way. And I also have Thank to say you. a shout out to the Johnson and Chang in-laws, you know, to the to Grandma and Grandpa Chang, and as well as Grandma <laughs> Johnson. Shout out to all of you for all of your love and continued support. You're amazing people. We love you. You know, Cynthia, throughout this year, this has been an unprecedented year for us, right? And mm-hmm. after March 12th, things changed, right? A yeah. lot of things just changed. And so a lot, some of our conversation today is going to be a bit about that, but not on the negative side, but actually on the uplifting side, because I think there's also been some growth in that as well. But before we do that, folks, if you'd like to speak to me or Cynthia during this live podcast, you can call us at 347-539-5372. Again, that is 347-539-5372. And if you're shy and you prefer to inbox us, you may do so instead at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. And I also have my Instagram open if you have any questions at Dr. Billy Jones if you want to message me through direct message as well. So, Cynthia, I actually have a question for you from Denzel. And Denzel Mm -hmm. wants to know, he he recognizes that you are a teacher. He says, what do you miss most about teaching during the regular school year? Because, you know, like ever since pandemic came along, there have been all types of hybrid and teaching and online and things like that. And so what do you miss most, and I should even say before pandemic, that we now have had to adjust? Any difference? Yeah. The social connection, you, uh, mm-hmm. now you have, the, you have protocols that you have to follow, the social distancing, keeping your distance, um, so you don't have that one-on-one attention. You, that's what I kind of miss more, because I am supposed to keep a distance from my mm-hmm. students. Every time, every time I touch a student or, like, or better off, we're not supposed to be touching students, first off. Right. But, like, right. if I touch any of their personal things, 
you know, I'm having to hand sanitize every five seconds. My kids have to hand sanitize, wash their hands constantly. Like, you know, we have a routine every time they leave my room, they're hand sanitizing. Every time they come back in my room, they're hand mm-hmm. sanitizing. So, so it's an adjustment. So unfortunately, like that's now part of your teaching lifestyle now, having mm. those protocols, having those conversations. You're, sp- you're wearing a mask all day. First off, right. you're wearing a mask all day. So now you're projecting your voice a lot more than you would usually do. I have mm-hmm. a rule in my mm-hmm. classroom with my kids that, you know, they were already low speaker as it was. Mm-hmm. And now with the mask, it's even worse. So I tell them, you guys got to be screaming at me like if you're at a playground. And that's the only way because you can't hear them. And keeping the mask on, I think that is a really big thing. Like, these kids were not ready to come back to school, honestly. Mm. Mentally, mentally and physically, they were not ready. And they're not getting that connection, unfortunately. And you come to school for those social connections. Absolutely. And socializing. Absolutely. It's been a lot. It's been a lot. I appreciate your honesty there. And I've been in for even within your classroom, I've seen, you know, you, I've seen your picture, by the way, folks, if you've seen the promos, Cynthia, I mean, the picture she sent looks fabulous in her classroom. <laughs> let me also add here as an aside, <laughs> which, which among her, I have a lot of educator friends. You should see my elementary and um, um, elementary teacher colleagues in their classrooms. Like it's no joke. Okay. And so <laughs> Cynthia really takes you into this like learning wonder space that is just so beautiful. And then I saw you the in your promo. You have a mask on, yeah. Which signifies right where we're at right now today. And then Zell, that's your your question is the, the biggest of all is the mask. And for little children, Cynthia, sometimes they don't. I mean, they understand some of the brevity of what we're going through, but they're still young. And so, and the mask is yeah. aggravating, even for you. I'm sure you're taking the mask off and you're doing certain things as well. I mean, not taking it off, but you you know you get itchy. You have to just adjust probably have different versions yeah. of the mask, right? You probably have different oh, colors, yeah. varieties. I have a few. I have like three or four different teacher masks. So that's the new style now. You're coming yes, in with is. now, like, it's now an accessory, like the newest, like, mask out there, right. you know. Um, <laughs> like, unfortunately, this is part of your norm now, you know. We have, I have two or three different types of teacher masks on, and it changes throughout the week. I- you were wearing this clear thing, though. I saw you wearing a clear mask at one point. Not, you know, recently in the early days when you first returned. You the still wear that shield. as well? The, the no, shield. Yeah. It's, just, it's really uncomfortable. I should. I should, mm-hmm. but I don't. Um, I do have coworkers that do. Like, mm-hmm. they are all full force. Like, and I can't blame them. I can right, completely right. understand. For my own preference, I, I don't wear a face shield. I just make sure I'm always six feet apart from my students. I'm constantly washing my hands, hand sanitizing mm-hmm. myself. There's Lysol wipes everywhere, sprays, wipes, whatever mm-hmm. you need, it's mm-hmm. there. And those things so, are bought by you, right? Those are things that are supplied by you, or does, do you get a combination of donations it, as well? It's a mixture of both. Like, you know, I was provided my face shield that you saw me wear, mm-hmm. like, at the beginning of the school year. That was provided to me. My masks, I pay for them myself. Um, I have a good friend that makes them for me. And then the wipes, I, they're out of my own pocket. But I was right. provided with hand sanitizer mm-hmm. at my school. So once I run out, then I'm kind of on my own now. But I mm. do have a stock supply, hopefully, to last until the end of the school, hopefully. So I do come prepared. And shout out to all the educators out there. You are frontline employees as well. 
educators, staff, administration, thank you for your continued service, Cynthia, and all those who are out there on the front line to ensure that education is still continuing. And we have another question coming in, Cynthia, from Marta. Marta wants to know, what type of teaching preparation have you undergone for COVID? Um, So that's part one. And then part two, how are things in Miami overall when it comes to that? I see the news reports here in New York. So we'll take part one, which is what are some of the type, you know, preparations? Because we know that when it came, when when things arrived in March, there were a lot of just-in-time trainings, uh, uh, just accommodations. There was a lot to take in. Yeah. So what was some of your experience in that regard? We, as a school district, we did go through a very thorough training on the protocols of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened? If you're tested with COVID, what happens if a student tests right. with COVID, someone in the school, so there are protocols, like you do have to report to your administrator, your administrator reports to the district, the district reports to Department uh, Health, you're quarantined for about 14 days, depending on what the situation is, mm-hmm. and if you test COVID positive, your classroom shuts down, so your classroom is uh, quarantined too. So that's the protocol. We didn't go through that thorough, thorough training mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. about like early October, late mm-hmm. September, because we didn't actually go into the building until early right, October. Right. We did we did start virtual here in Miami. We started virtual until we moved into phase two. So for, since March, we've been mm-hmm. virtual. At, so your preference it was to stay home or you could actually work from your school site. They did give us the choice. But there are protocols, like, before I walk into the building, I do have to go through a health screening, mm-hmm. show a green thumb to be able to enter my enter the school and then enter my classroom. And everything is virtual. So there are protocols that we had to go through. We have it all in writing, and we have mm-hmm. it all over the district site to make sure we understand the protocols of COVID. I, think the co- I have to say shout-out to Carvalho and, and the administration from the school district. Miami has the fourth largest school district of folks, for those of you who are listening, because we have listeners, uh, Cynthia, from all over the world. And Miami mm-hmm. has the fourth largest school district, public school district in America. And and so shout-out for all the notices. Like, I mean, every week, if not every day, there was something online. And I, I yeah, felt informed. Yeah, he was really good with it. Like, he was, there was clear communication of, of expectations. Yes, there were a couple of hiccups here and there, but this is no one ever anticipated a pandemic. We're all learning and growing, right? And mm-hmm. I would also say, Cynthia, to Marta, that we've all had to level up. I've always been an early adopter of technology in what I do, but even still, my ability to facilitate things has changed so much. You know, if there's yeah. any good that's come out of this, right, that's for us educators. And, and has that happened for you as well, Cynthia? Like, has there been some good out of this when it comes to your profession that even though COVID has arrived, there's been something that you may have gained in any regard that may have had some positive influence on your work? Being more tech savvy. Like, I've always yeah. been tech savvy. Um, yes, you have, now right. You're more, now it's more technology, 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 and using mm-hmm. the technology um, for it. So now you're able to use the computer more. It's less contact. Um, that is mm-hmm. my preference to, to let everyone know, like, you know, I have a physical classroom. My students do come into the building with me. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. do have, I see, I see about 28 students a day. I see 12 in the morning and I see about right. 16 in the afternoon. And so we are all having me and my partner. Um, 
we do everything technology. Everything is on the computer. We try to avoid the papers mm-hmm. just so we don't have to touch things. So mm-hmm. that's helped uh, helped in the teaching now. I would say and help teachers now that you know you're kind of forced to be tech savvy now or at least learn how to use technology to your advantage. So that's one good thing out of COVID. You I know, agree. Doing I agree. Technology. You know, Cynthia, you and I came from, we have the same alma mater. Shout out to FIU, by the way. And yes. funny enough, though, when you look back on your your training, right, the mm. level, do you anticipate, this is my thought, I anticipate that education programs are going to have to evolve a bit, you know, teacher training programs that includes technology now, right, in a whole other yeah. way that, than what we got at the time. We did get the infusion of instructional technology in that time. But now this mm-hmm. pandemic is like a game changer. It changes yeah. a lot, right? And so we could see yeah. now some of those things occurring in terms of how we onboard future teachers as well. Yeah, I think they're going to have to introduce it more. I think it needs to be yeah. more of a core class now. When I took it at FIU, it's more an introduction. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was right. just an intro. Okay, so these are the things you could use, but you don't have to use them. But if you want to. I think now they're going to kind of have to force you to learn right. it and, like, really use it. You know, it, it's it's a game changer. I'll tell you that much. It does help, and it makes it – it kind of makes learning a little fun. These kids do enjoy it when they do know how to use it. it is, mm-hmm. That's a whole other process. You do have to um, – my partner and I are still trying to teach kids how to use technology. Mm-hmm. And we're about what, almost going into two months of schooling already, so right. physically. So it is – it's – it's a process. It's it's stepping stones. You know, and I'll add something to that too, Cynthia. You know, one of the things that, well, uh, one other thing that even in all my teacher training, I, there was never any conversation about the loss or losing a student, right? You know, through whatever circumstances, through natural causes or mm-hmm. other tragedies. And I always feel mm-hmm. that more education programs today, continuing forward, now with pandemic, this could be an opportunity to also acknowledge how solid how do we you know how do we grieve because not only are we helping these children or our students yeah but we also need to heal because we're human as well in that process and our training does make us prepare for many things but there's nothing Mm -hmm. like the loss of a student and so I think also if if we're leveling up in that regard if we're going to throw in the technology I would add to those you know this is a shout out to all my our teacher training programs around the world adding that piece too to help influence or encourage support there yeah we're getting a question here from Vanessa. So Vanessa, thank you for listening. Vanessa wants to know, Cynthia, has COVID changed your view on parenting or the desire to have more kids? Funny, we were just having that conversation. Yeah, uh, I don't know the answer to this. We're just having conversation. Well, there, it, it gave us a more children right now. Answer your question, so you won't be a godfather just yet. Uh, again, we're not interested in having any more children as of right now. Um, it is really hard having right. just one and putting routines. And our daughter's not independent enough yet for us to let her go, and we can depend on putting all of our energy to another child. But coming at, from the pandemic and through COVID, um, it telling us that, you know, it gave us an opportunity to spend more time with each other and spend more time with our daughter, create those bonds, create those traditions and those routines and things for us to get excited, for her to get excited for. Mm -hmm. 
Um, with everything going on, we surely don't want another child to go to the hospital right now during a pandemic is not right. our goal right now. It is something that, you know, we're kind of taking a step back. We're not ready to have more children right now. We do want in the future. We just don't know when yet. Mm, and when it's going to happen. So uh, thank you for that response. And uh, Cynthia and Vanessa, you know, Cynthia spot on there. I mean, everyone's plans have been shifted a bit, right? And so, like, I had a colleague of mine who was interested in relocating to another state for work or another institution, but she said, wait a minute, I think I need to stay put because nothing's for certain. You know, everything seems to be so yeah. extendable because there's a domino effect on everything else. And and you just reminded yeah. me there, Cynthia, about the whole, yes, you know, there are people still having babies, just like cancers is still going on right, right in the world. Those things yeah. don't stop, folks. And it makes you think, yeah. now, you know. Yeah, because now they're called quarantine babies, or I decided to have a baby during a pandemic. Right. I, I give all the props to anybody who wants to have a child right now, but for our family, it's just we're not ready. Not right now. We really want to focus on our daughter, making sure she gets everything she needs, all the attention, everything like that. So as of right now, we're not ready to have another child. So. Thank you for that, Cynthia. And Vanessa, that was a good question. Hmm. Very good question. I got another one for you, Cynthia. This was coming from Brenda. And by the way, folks, in case you're joining us now, we're about halfway, a half hour in to this awesome show. This is a reunion show with my dear friend, Cynthia Chang, who is an educator here in Miami and just a lovely, beautiful person. And so if you'd like to speak to her at this time or me, you can call us at 347-539-5372. Again, that is 347-539-5372. And I see that you're not shy. You're sending us more messages, Cynthia, in the inbox. But that email address okay. is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. That is everydayfolks with an S, listen at gmail.com. And you can message me on my Instagram. I got that open here too. So here comes the question from Brenda. Brenda wants to know, Cynthia, what advice do you offer? I'm reading it here. What advice do you offer your, uh, to other educators who are teaching during COVID? Just to be careful. At the end of the day, uh, your your health is number one, and your health should be your number one priority. If you don't want to be that close to a child, you shouldn't have to be. If you want to stay 10 feet apart, 10 feet apart. You know, you have to protect yourself. Um, you know, for example, my classroom, my students are sitting in rows, and, you know, that's not the traditional way of an elementary classroom. You know, you mm-hmm. want them in groups, want them mm-hmm. socializing, but – because of COVID, they can't be anywhere near each other. And that's, that has a lot to do with um, them understanding that they can't be next to each other. based out. You have to put barriers. Um, I have barriers around my desk. Mm-hmm. My students to know they can't, they can't pass certain right. areas. They can't be anywhere near me. They can't be anywhere near each other. You know, um, so at the end of the day, I think my best advice is just to make sure you know what you're capable of of doing and what you want to happen in your classroom. Like, you know, if you want to be 10 feet apart, you be 10 feet apart because at the end of the day, your health is number one. This is your job, and that, but it's not your life. That was something I had to learn. You know, this is my career, but it's not my life. You know, I do have a life before teaching, and I have a life when I leave my classroom. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. do have to set those two apart. 
Well said, Cynthia. And, you know, I, I had to share this, too. Brenda listens to this. You know, I, I've seen some things online. I'm sure you've seen it, too, Cynthia. You know, we follow all kinds of teacher-oriented or education-oriented yeah. um, channels or, or in social media feeds. And there is one, and, and I can't recall which channel it is because I'm on so many, where there are teachers mm-hmm. that are placing shower curtains, like clear shower yeah. curtains around it's their, their barriers. deck. The barriers, right? And, 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 mm-hmm. and what you just mentioned here is so true. How much do you feel going forward? Will these, this situation, do you feel it have a long-term impact perhaps on children because of that socialization aspect? Because for instance, having those, uh, you know, having th- that connection with each other as well as the teacher, it's also the seasonal time of year when all of that can really be reinforced, right? As well as mm-hmm. the other, you know, parent nights and, and, and experiences, you know, home rule parents that would come in to help support, you know, there's a whole support system that naturally yeah. takes place socially that now has had to modify itself in some way. Do you feel that, you know, I mean, granted, we know that the pandemic is not forever. We're being hopeful that we find a cure and we move on from this and we shall as a race, but this race will move forward. But for now we are where we're at. So just wanted to get your thoughts on all of that, Cynthia, in terms of whether or not we feel that we're going to, will this have any impact in the long run on these children as they mature? I think it, it's going to that that social connection and you know and then from a teacher's point of view, mm-hmm. teachers going to be more careful and more more cautious of what they are going around because you know the fact that you know you don't know where these kids have been just as much as they don't know where you've been. Mm. And unfortunately, that is something now you're going to have to think about. You know, you do have right. to think about that. You don't know where anyone's been, and at the end of the day, when you leave your classroom doors. You have a family at home that you need to protect, too. So Mm -hmm. I think that's going to have a long-term effect moving forward from the pandemic. Thank you, Cynthia. And thank you for that question, Brenda. That was a very good question that really spawned all of that. Now, folks, I got to share this with you. I've known Cynthia for a long time. And And we know how to have our fun. You know, we are, you know, as educators, people don't realize that we as educators I mean, if we didn't love people and love life, then we would not have gone into this field, right? But that means we yeah. also have to have a nice, healthy balance of work and personal life. And recently, you and I, my dear friend, went on a very unique experience in Miramar, Florida. Yeah. And as mm-hmm. you know, I host a show here called Fright Talk on Friday nights. Plug for that. Friday night, this th- thir- Friday the 13th this Friday, by the way, folks, at 8 p.m. We got a show. My boy, Nadine Tabs out there. He and I, my Fright-type brother, we're going to be hosting that. Um, so I'm going to talk about Roanoke. That's going to be fun. But, Cynthia, where were we a few weeks ago <laughs> on March, we was it March 3rd? I think it was March 3rd, I think it was. Yeah, um, March oh, no, wasn't like October me. 3rd. Look at me. I'm a, see? Yeah. You see what done? So we yeah. went somewhere. We went somewhere in Miramar called Horland. How was that experience for you, Cynthia? <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. It was something different. Um you know, like you said, you know, you're a very dear friend, a very close friend to us. You know, we do Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios every year. So right. this was our fix for this year. And it was pretty close to it. Honestly, it was pretty close. And, you know, we really did have a good time. We, like, you really got the experience of Halloween Horror Nights, the scared, the being scared, but in your car, in your yep. car, honestly. And you really were scared, you know, um, you know, my husband actually opened his window a few times, and we, we jumped. We jumped. So that gave us our, our little Halloween Horror Night fix of, like, when we're really close to these, like, these scary guys that are really close to us. So it was nice. It was something different, 
And I think they really got it this that time. Like, I really think people are being creative. So you can at least have some normalcy. Like, I think, you know, our our governors and our state holders, they tell us, like, you know, just, we are going through a pandemic, but you do don't want to stop living. You just need to be careful, you know. My husband and I still go out, and we still try to enjoy some normalcy. And, you know, our daughter does go out every so often when we can, so she can get that social connection to the outside world. Mm-hmm. The first couple of months she was inside and it was really hard for her. Mm. But, you know, you have to have some normalcy. And I think that was pretty close to it. It was pretty close to like what we get every year. Every listen, year. listen, folks, I have to tell you, we all, uh, so there were three cars with us who went on this trip and Cynthia was in the car behind us, right? With her crew. And every, we put all of our phones on Wi-Fi speaker in the car so we could all talk to each other in each car. And you know that mm-hmm. we were going through each scare scene. When I first, we start yelling in my car, then we obviously would pass the scene. Then the yelling starts in Cynthia's car would be the next car because now I didn't realize why you were yelling because Justin was only encouraging the situation more. <laughs> but yeah, that's what life is about. We we had to make it fun. Um, yes, just so we everyone did. knows, we decided to take Justin's mom with us. Um, <laughs> Justin's mom does not go. Justin's mom does not go to Halloween Horror Nights with us she at doesn't. all. Um, she goes. Uh, she goes on the trip with us now to be to help us with our daughter because obviously our daughter doesn't go with us to Halloween Horror Nights, so she babysits for us while we're at the park. So this was her fix of it, and she was scared. She was scared. <laughs> We got a, it was fun and shout out to her as well, Pat. That's for you. You know, yes. you're such you our our trip homie. We so we so love you. Here's a question coming in, Cynthia, from Mark. Mark wants to know. Well, we've kind of already answered this, but I'll read it anyhow. Has anyone in your oh, actually, we have it, Mark. This is an interesting question, Cynthia. Has anyone in your immediate family or extended family been impacted by COVID? Um. I've had a few family members test positive, um, just, right. just based off of exposure. You know, um, my parents are still working. Um, Justin's mom is a retired teacher, so she's she's okay. Um, so I've had a few family members test positive. They're fine. Luckily, you know, we didn't get any uh, extreme. They were they felt normal. They actually didn't even know they were mm-hmm. positive. That's great. Um, my sister is a, a neonatalist at a local Tampa children's hospital. So mm-hmm. my sister sees it my sister sees it firsthand. And then my sister in law works at a, a a clinic down in Wellington, Florida. So they all see it pretty often. But luckily like, you know, we we've been okay. We we've seen the impact it does, what COVID does to people. Just because mm-hmm. it came pretty close to us. Thank you for sharing that. And and Mark, what an impressive question there. I'll, I'll share from our end. We, you know, Cynthia and I, we've been very fortunate that we've been fine. But we also, like Cynthia mm-hmm. said earlier, we're taking the preventive measures just to make sure we're taking care of self and being decent and compassionate for humanity. And so whatever we can do in our little spaces, we'll continue to do. And Mark, we hope all mm-hmm. is well with you and your family as well. Here comes another question. This one's from Giselle. How have you changed, Cynthia and BJ, since COVID? Like, how have we changed? And what things have you learned about yourself and or your family that you didn't know before? Uh, learn how to deal with each other. <laughs> like, you're really, like, you really do need to really learn. You, th- you think you really can deal with it, but then when you're stuck in a house, 
right, so right. long and needing some fresh air, you learn like every little thing hits a nerve. Every little thing hits a nerve. And patience is a thing in our household we've learned. Patience and, you know, mm-hmm. just norm- normalcy. Normalcy. Like we we do miss what life was before a pandemic. Right, right. And, you know, we're, we're itching for that life back. Right, so Life right. does kind of like freeze a little bit, but we also have to try not to stop living. You know, we still try to make time for each other, make time for our family, make time for our right. daughter, friends. We do still see our friends here and there between the ones that are still willing to go right. out. You know, we, right. do have, right. we do have friends who don't get out. And they don't plan right. on getting out anytime soon. That makes sense. And I and I'll share for me the one thing I've realized. You realize, I mean, Cynthia, you and I have experienced nine eleven. Let's talk about the things we have survived. Nine yeah. eleven, several hurricanes in between. You know the the whole threat of you know domestic you know sharpshooters, school shootings, all those things, all these things in the atmosphere, right? And of course mm-hmm. now a pandemic, right? So of all the things we've been through, nothing has prepared us for a pandemic. This is very first. We always thought that was something that was historic, Spanish flu, bubonic plague, things that happened in other yeah. eras. And here we are mm-hmm. today. That was like the, so my, I'm answering her question in the fact that I never would have fathomed that we'd be here today in no, a crisis mode, I really, you know, for the fight for humanity in the magnitude we are against the microscopic enemy. It is amazing and as well as horrific as it is. And like you said about the normalcy, we're adding all these other layers too. And Cynthia got it right. You just got to try to live a quality life because if not, then if you're not of a good health for yourself, even a mental state, you know, what health are you good or what good are you for anyone else, right? So taking care of self-care is more critical than ever before now, you know, that, that, you yeah. know, that whatever self-care looks like for everybody today. You know, Cynthia, you and I miss, for instance, this is our time of year. We usually had an outlet somewhere, right? You know, trying to get some kind of deals on. And and it's so weird because I feel, you know, one, I'm also thinking, wait, I need to say because, hey, nothing's certain for anybody, number one. Two, two, above all, the fact that there's a pandemic going on, so I shouldn't be contributing or exposing myself. And then thirdly, well, what's there? Some stores are closing. Things are sunsetting. There's all the, so there's yeah. a lot more consumerism online, you know, for online purchases yeah. and things like that. So things are just different, and 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 it's just it just makes you take pause, right? Well, take a big pause. it forces us now to online shopping, which is the only bad thing about being stuck in a pandemic. We're doing too yeah. much online shopping. Well, <laughs> I will be proud. To, I'll be proud to tell you, Cynthia. Thanks to the Tapshes, you know, they had mentioned some time ago, a couple months back, that they were our friends, that they were. Um, they had Prime, like Amazon Prime. And I said, you know what? I don't, want, I don't need Amazon Prime. There's nothing on Amazon I need. And here I am with an Amazon you're, Prime account. Oh, you're in, <laughs> right? Get ready. You're going to be in trouble. We're on Amazon almost every other week. Yes, I'm there now. Every <laughs> week. Every week. It's an investment, but well worth it. It is. It is. And, and I, and, you know, and, and no, Amazon is not a sponsor of Everyday Folks, folks. So I'm not here advocating in that regard. But what I'm saying here, and I'm kind of echoing what Giselle said, you start changing and realizing, never say never. The pandemic teaches mm-hmm. you to never say never. Here's another question for you, Cynthia. Denzel wants to know. Oh, Denzel, you're back. Thank you, Denzel. You're, thank you for being a good team listener. Um, well, Cynthia already answered this, but he said, what do you miss most? Uh, what do you miss the most doing since COVID began? Being able to go out with no risk 
honestly. Now, like, yes. you do have to have your accessories, your mask, your hand sanitizer, um, and making sure you're staying six feet away and following stickers. Um, right. That's all yes. you That's true. You know what? You know what? You're absolutely right. Because now, I mean, who would have ever thought that there'd be stickers and signs and indicators on floors and grounds? And not everyone follows them. I'll tell you that much. Not everyone follows it. Yep. You're right. Thank you, Denzel. And thank you for being a a committed listener to us. Tony wants another following, Cynthia. How have your computer skills changed or improved since COVID, especially in relation to your teaching? Uh, I, it's a love-hate relationship with my computer now. Some days I love it. Some days I don't want anything to do with it. Um, I've learned vir- virtual teaching, you learn to hate your computer because you're on there so long. Like, you know, when we were virtual teaching, um, we we made the choice to stay home. So mm-hmm. we, my husband and I, we taught from home for the first two months of school. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's upstairs, one's downstairs, because we live in a two-story townhouse. So uh, those days, by the time 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock rolled it, I went down with the computer. We didn't turn on that computer again until the next day. Now it's a little bit better since um, my husband and I are both back in the school building. Um, my husband has a love-hate relationship with his computer some days because he's still teaching virtually. Um, I don't teach virtually anymore. But all my meetings are virtual, so I've learned I've learned to use my computer as my tool now. My computer is my tool. Use it to my advantage. It helped my teaching. It's helped my teaching. Um, I do a lot of more virtual things and a lot more mm-hmm. interactive things, and teaching my students how to do that. Mm. So my students are learning. You're teaching your students how your computer can actually help you do your work now instead of using the paper and pencil. So it's moving away from the paper pencil. That's wonderful, Cynthia, and also going green as well. And I'm thinking when I read an yeah. article recently from uh, about high, you know schools, we recognize public education is not getting the funding it needs, and so teachers have to come out of pocket a lot. But and one of them is yes. for paper, especially for elementary folks. You know, my elementary colleagues spend a lot of their personal money on the beautiful supplies they offer students for all kinds of projects. It's not just the decorations on their walls. They're doing things to make sure that students are getting a quality science education or language arts education or history mm-hmm. or, or language understanding awareness. So all of this is out of a teacher's pocket, and they're getting paid peanuts. And, yes, I am standing on my, my, sitting on my pedestal here because, A, I was once one of them, and, B, I support public education. And so I know, and I know Cynthia. Cynthia is an entrepreneur. Let me share this. This lady oh. here, folks, has her – Set up. She has. Um, tell them a little bit about that, Cynthia. You have all these really cool little opportunities where you also share. You know, you commonly share some of your work, but you also use the resources and you get support from parents in order to funnel it back back into your your classroom and the, and the needs of your students. Can you talk a little bit about those things that you're doing? Those creative uh, things. Uh, yeah, like I try. Um, you know, I had. I do what's called a donors choose. So I do get a lot of my projects funded. Um, mm-hmm. I currently don't have any projects, but I did get one project funded for me. Um, I got, I think it was Verizon funded my mm-hmm. entire class. Well, like I got a set of tablets given to me. So th- I have a set of tablets that I don't pay for. They were funded to me. They were gifted. That's awesome. Like they were yeah. uh, donated to me. Um, mm-hmm. I I create my own resources when I can, and I've learned how to do it a lot better now since 
go green and be more virtual mm-hmm. and away from mm-hmm. paper and pencil. So I have my own teachers paid teacher store that does get some action lately. It gets a lot more action since a lot of teachers are doing virtual. So I do that. And then I try to get resources. Like I try to get donors. I try to get people to sponsor my class. Um, it's a little hard now with COVID going on, right. but you know, I, I was able to get, a, a, I think I got a good 10 printers donated to my school. So I was able to distribute that out to my school. Some of my colleagues have brand That's new wonderful. printers now. So I had, I found a man who basically donates them. So he was willing to donate me about 10 printers. Mm. So and that's Cynthia, one last thing that teachers have to pay for. That's true. And I, and I want to offer my help, you know, when, you know, after the show is done and sometime when you get a breathing moment, when you're interested, send me the information. We'll post it on the webpage of Everyday Folks Radio under who I'm supporting. And we can put the link okay. to your campaign there. And folks, you know, anything we can do, any contribution to help you know, an educator is always appreciated. It goes directly to the student. 100% of your, of your contribution mm-hmm. goes back and it doesn't have to be like she said it's not about money it could be a resource you know whatever a resource it's just a printer she received you know let's let's support yeah. and Cynthia, I offer that to you if that's of interest to you okay thank you thank but you i have another question for you and this one's an unknown person so thank you unknown <laughs> do you incorporate <laughs> cynthia engage you know like civic engagement in your elementary curriculum if so how Oh, what do you mean civil engagement, though? So that's a good question, Cynthia. Um, um, listener, if you could come back and let us know. I mean, I'm assuming when you say civic engagement, understanding the, the d- democratic process of voting, um, the, d- the duty of getting involved in the community to do service learning or to do community outreach. You know, are these some things, perhaps, Cynthia, that may be of interest? Or are your kids maybe not at a level yet to be able to fully grasp those kinds of concepts? We have to keep it pretty basic. Like, right. Like you said in the bio, I do teach second grade, so they're just starting to understand the right. civic and their civil duty. I did do a mock election with the presidential election that just passed. To do a mock election, I did um, teach them, like, what the process is of voting, mm-hmm. who votes, who doesn't vote. Obviously, I don't put my political views out there. My right. students are not supposed to put out their political views either. Uh, but a lot of my students really don't know political things anyways, but you don't want to put that out there in your classroom. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how I did it was I put two pictures. I put our current president and our now president-elect on the board, and I told them mm-hmm. to choose one. Because, you know, at the end of the day, parents talk, and kids are listening. Parents turn on the TV, so I know they have background knowledge about it. And they got to understand the process of how it works to vote. They made a choice as a class. Whoever won was their new president. Um, before we went off to the weekend this this uh, mm-hmm. past weekend, they talked about it. They they're tr- tr- following it. So my students are following the uh, following different things politically. They're excited for who's going to be the next president. So that's a conversation I'm going to have to have with them when we go back to school next week. Thank you for that. It was a great question, by the way, listener. Thank you. For yeah. That. Very good question. And, folks, we're coming down to our last few minutes of the show. We're on our last 15 minutes. So if you have any questions that you'd like to ask me or Cynthia, the call in is 347-539-5372. But we see that you're not shy in our inbox. We still got three more to go, Cynthia. <laughs> three oh, great questions okay. to go. And I appreciate the folks, you know, number one, appreciate Cynthia being here today to offer her time and her expertise. But also thank you for listening to us, folks. Wherever you are, whether you're in our time zone or around the world, thank you for giving everyday folks a, 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 this 
family, our family hears some, some of your time. So this next question comes from Maria, Cynthia. If you could go back in time, this is a good one. If you could go back in time and tell your younger beginning teacher self something, what would you tell her? Oh, that's a good question. So that's a really good question. question. I'm sitting here thinking, like, wow, that's a good question. Um, not to put all honestly, like, not to put my entire life on hold. I I had to learn that, um, the hard way when you know I decided to put my career first before anything else. Um, and that took a toll on me. Like life, life, your life is not your career. And I would mm. tell that to the younger self of me, you know, I just came out of college and I was excited, you know, it's my first real, real like job and mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I love. Um, you know, I've always wanted to be a teacher. I've known since I was eight. Mm-hmm. I had one amazing teacher that changed my mind about teaching. Mm-hmm. So I told myself I would be her in the future. And I've seen her in, since I started teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's so proud that, you know, I took her lead. So I would tell the younger self of me not to take, don't take work with you. Work is, work is what it is. It's work. And your career is your career. Put, put yourself first. Put yourself first. And put your family first. That's what I would tell myself. You know, and I'll, I love that question, Maria. That is a really good question. I'll add my own response, and that is, you know, because Cynthia spotted it right. You know, work is only part of life. It's not all of life. But when you're an educator, sometimes you become these ambassadors. So even in your own personal time, if you're wearing the logo, right, of your, your T-shirt of your school and you're wearing mm-hmm. your lanyard out in the store, you know, which is rarely you're encouraged not to do that unless appropriate, you are an ambassador of a school district. But those are things that are only part of your life and not all of your life. And I know a lot of folks who make great money and, and have great accolades and awards in their walls from careers but they also feel empty because they're lacking that other sense of connection and identity beyond the work. And I appreciate your yeah. sharing that, Cynthia, because you have a balance of all of that. And you know what's funny, though, Cynthia, when we came out, well, also, too, you and I entered the education career in our respective stages of our lives in times when it was highly competitive. There weren't that many jobs for our particular no, levels. No. Right, and now you can find it anywhere. You can find you can find a teacher job right. anywhere because nobody wants to be a teacher anymore. Right. Honestly, teaching is not respected like it used to be, um, and I think that needs to change. Um, teachers are not respected, and unfortunately, some teachers go in for money. The money's yeah. not there, and it, I don't think it ever will be. Honestly, you think so? I always feel that you know it, it's. We got to start, and, I, and I, I, I want my teachers to be treated the same as we treat our doctors and nurses and other frontline individuals. Teachers are not second-class citizens, folks. And I, I say that very openly here. I respect and have a love for teachers, just like Cynthia. I had a teacher that influenced me to become who I am today, and this is now year 25 in the game. And I look back, and I'm like, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for Miss Jones at Miami Killian Senior High, I would not be here. And now she's Dr. Grant, so she's listening. I send this out to her and wish her the best. But it's teachers like that who care for us, who made the difference. That's why the, the most amazing and most impactful teachers exist, because they had other teachers who influenced them, right? And so mm-hmm. good for you for saying that, Cynthia. And Maria, I, Maria, we'd love to hear your comment. What would you do if you went back and told your younger self something? <laughs> uh, I would love to hear your perspective, right, Cynthia? Gabe, making us think here. 
Maria, we'll put it back on you, so reply back to us, okay? <laughs> I got another question for you, Cynthia, and I know we're closing in on time here. We got 10 minutes still, so we're good. But Craig okay. says, I teach in Georgia when our schools are on constant lockdown. I feel I'm not teaching or performing at my best, but it is what it is. How do you stay motivated, Billy and Cynthia, in your teaching and, and life during the pandemic? Those kids. Honestly, those kids, as a career, those motivations, when you get that aha moment, that's when you know you do have to put 100% in it, and it's, it, it's exhausting, and you're days in bad days. There are days I don't put all 100% into my teaching, but there are days when I do, and it's okay. Um, I wouldn't beat yourself up. You are human. You, do, you, you are yourself. Like, you are, all you can do is the best you can. You are doing it virtually. And, you know, if you're constantly on, you kind of have to adjust to your new norm. Mm-hmm. Like, we had to adjust to our new norm of virtual teaching. And it, virtual does not work for everybody. Right. We've learned that. It's true. That's so true. And I, I, I'll add for my question, uh, you know, staying motivated, it's number one having the right attitude. Because, Cynthia, I've seen yeah. this, and I say this about you and Justin. I've never known, in all the years, I've known you guys almost two decades, I've never yeah. seen you unhappy. You've always had a positive outlook on life. That, so it starts with self, one. And I appreciate yeah. that about you. And then two, also how you enjoy and embrace life. You know, because there is a lot to be very miserable and unhappy about, folks. But also, too, we're very grateful. Cynthia and I collectively are very grateful for what the lot that we've been granted. And I think that matters as well. And I also say it's who mm-hmm. you know. Show me your friends, and I'll show you who you are, Craig. You know, who you – show me your friends. Here's one. I'm looking at her. I can see her, but you all can't see her because she's on my Zoom, but I can see her. <laughs> so I can see her. I know she can see me, and I can see her. I know my people, my tribe, okay? So my tribe is, is great. It is tight. But also, too, at this stage of our lives, we can't afford to have anything less than that because life is stressful enough. I don't want drama. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to enjoy time. And every time I'm with Cynthia, I enjoy my time with her. I enjoy my time with her family. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when we see each other, it's like, oh, my God, we're going to see each other. Even if it's just to go eat out. Even if it's just drive yeah. by her house and say happy birthday for the baby. Like, it's just because yeah. it's always good time. Does that make sense? So, Craig, yeah. staying motivated starts with self. It really does. Cynthia, one more yeah. question for you, and this is from Holly. Cynthia, we've had a dozen questions come in. This is very unprecedented. Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> Thank so, you. Holly wants to know, what advice do you provide to future educators who are just starting out in the field? That's, that's part one. And then I'll ask part two. So what advice do you give to educators who are just starting out? To be open-minded, to be willing mm-hmm. to try. Um, I, I took a risk, um, and I think that was the best thing I could do starting as a new teacher. You don't know what works for you until you try. And that's what her. Try. You have this great idea, try it. What's the worst that could happen? It doesn't work. Try another idea. Like mm-hmm. you're you're new. So you have all these fresh ideas and that's what you know a school needs. Fresh ideas, new ways of doing things and being open minded. Mm. Take a risk. Yes, take a risk. I love that. What year is yeah. this for you, Cynthia, by the way, in your game? I'm about to finish up year 10 of my wow. teaching career and, and year five with the school district I'm in now. 
Cynthia has been in both private and public sector, folks, in 10 years. This is coming from a pro, yeah. Holly. Holly, you had a second part, Cynthia. What advice do you offer okay. to teachers who are also parents in general? Oh, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Um, putting yourself on a schedule is something I, I learned coming back from my training mm-hmm. leave. Um, I was always that teacher that was the first one there and the last one to leave. I'm still the first teacher that gets to my school. I get, I pretty much get to my school the same time my principal does. And my principal knows it's not normal if I'm not pulling into the parking lot the same time he is. So mm-hmm. um, being a new mom, being a mom, it's putting yourself on a schedule. I force myself to leave by a certain time because I'm I, at the end of the day I'm also a mom. And my, right. my daughter needs all my time, and it's exhausting. You teach for six-plus hours with a mask all day. You're tired. You want to go home. And honestly, going home to my daughter is a breather. It's a fresh air. It's, it's a nice break. Um, being a new, so being a, being a parent, putting yourself on a schedule and like telling yourself when you leave those doors, school is not a priority. School is not a priority. Your home life is. And I... I that for myself and it's better and my husband mm-hmm. does the same thing when he leaves his classroom mm-hmm. he's he's done for the day it's us and the baby i love it cynthia i'm so proud of you and you know i say this i Thank give you, you a virtual hug and a kiss for the baby and family for all that you do and wishing you as you know continued success in your career and folks this is cynthia johnson my dear colleague and an amazing educator with many years of experience in the game here in public education I'm going to be placing a link if, at her interest on my webpage for supporting her classroom and her cause. So if you do have anything that you'd like to contribute to help her and to help her inspire the students in, in the school and the magnitude that she does, anything is appreciated. And then lastly, for those of you who are listening right now, we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Folks, right, Cynthia? This was a great yes. episode. It was a great episode. And I want to also welcome you to listening to other shows on our on our podcast. We have 184 episodes, folks, thanks to you. 184 episodes. And coming up this Wednesday at 3 p.m. is another episode. I'm going to be interviewing Cynthia's other half, uh, Mr. Jo- Coach Johnson. Coach Justin Johnson. Yeah, Coach Johnson. A- yep, Coach J. And, and then it's a busy week because then the day after that, on the 12th, I got Dr. Robert Morris here at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then on Friday, Friday the 13th, I'm back here with Friday Talk for Roanoke at 8 p.m. with my brother Nadine. So we got a lot going on here. And go to everydayfolksradio.com to see our lineup and the next things that are coming up. Until then, we thank you so much for your time and for your continued support of all of the great work that we're doing here. Take care and stay safe. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.